episode 56 of the church digital podcast powered by stadia church planning i i, I gotta tell you stadia has planted over a thousand churches and we are out there right now trying to make sure those 1,000 churches are stable, safe, and sound. And we're not really just drawing the border at those 1,000. And this is what I love about Stadia. We're, we're creating resources and helping churches beyond trying to figure out how to master this, this digital church, this church online thing. By the way, check this out. There, there's a Facebook group. The easiest way to get there is if you go to the church.digital slash coronavirus. On that, there's a number of resources we've created, but one of the best resources we have out there today is, is a Facebook group that's that's managed by, by us, but also managed by a bunch of Stadia people where they're getting in there, churches are getting in there, they're talking about what they're experimenting with, whether it's working, whether it's not working, and, and encouraging us to gather as we're out there trying to figure out how to beat this coronavirus thing uh, and, and by utilizing digital tools in church online. So if you're not part of that, uh, it's, you can look for uh, Church Online and Coronavirus in Facebook or head over to the church.digital slash coronavirus and find the link there on that page. Well, I got to tell you, I have been sitting on this podcast for a couple weeks. We've recorded this probably the day before the coronavirus, you know, I hesitate to say the word outbreak, before everything exploded, moving off the West Coast, more towards the, the East Coast here in, in America. And I have been itching, itching to share this this podcast interview with you because this has been, you know, the Ed Stetzer podcast, that, that interview was fun. This one I, was more fun than, than Ed because it really, um, I, honestly, I felt like I was talking to like a, a, a clone copy of, of me. We were so on the same page with a number of different things. So the interview is with Daniel M., uh, who uh, is uh, in Canada. He uh, works with Lifeway. He does a number of things. He's written a number of books. And, and honestly, the heart of this is we really delved into his book called No Silver Bullets. Now, this is an older book. We're going back to 2015. But honestly, just recently I read it. Uh, there's a church I'm working with, and they're having some, some discipleship-level issues within the church. How do we keep people on mission? What does discipleship look like? We're having issues with kind of taking people to that next deeper level. And, and really, I, I just I, I delved into this book. Like I said in the podcast, it was stuck on my Kindle. I bought it years ago, just never read it. Uh, and, and, and as I read it, honestly, my heart just leapt. And, and, and I caught this vision for, for what a discipleship movement in a church could be if it was done with intentionality. But on top of that, I kept I caught a larger vision of what a discipleship method could be if it was executed digitally to complement churches that are out there. And so the more that that Daniel in his book talked about discipleship, the more that I had this greater understanding of what it could be in a digital environment. And that made me very happy. So we're having this conversation with Daniel M. And it is literally on the eve of of the coronavirus explosion that, that has happened uh, here in, in America and around the world here with this global pandemic. So there's definitely application points that we talk about here about how to get people on mission. Um, but it also, it talks to a lot to the heart of what it actually means to be intentional towards making disciples in a physical environment as well as a virtual one. This has been a great podcast, a great conversation here with Daniel M. Lifeway, as well as a 
number of other uh, resources and, and connection points. No Silver Bullets for Church Online. That's the name of the episode here at the Church Digital Podcast. Here y'all go. Hey, Jeff. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing Daniel, well. Nice doing to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Hey, I, I want to thank you for jumping on this this podcast. It's been uh, it's been a hectic uh, couple days, uh, hectic <laughs> no week kidding. or so for for all of us, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But man, I, I just I, I wanted to thank you for um, for sticking with this and and, and allowing this conversation to happen. Uh, It'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I want I want to sing your your praise, and I'll do this on the podcast a, a little bit. But um, you know, I, I bought your book several years ago, and uh, it sat on my Kindle, uh, as yeah. you know, typically books do. I uh, got the app. We'll get there eventually later, maybe sorta. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, one of the churches I was working at, Christ Journey Church, uh, starting to run into some discipleship issues and and some things. It's like, yeah, there's 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 got to be a better way to do this. We we haven't figured it out. And there's this No Silver Bullets book. I just, I want to go back to that. And yeah. it, it really, um, I read it and, and I was like, oh, this is so good. This is exactly what they need. And, and I, t- I tend to be an extremist, kind of alarmist type of guy. Like, we have to do this like now. Yeah. And, and, and I made key staff read it. And they're like, oh, this is so good. And, and, it, and, it, and it really helped kind of pivot the culture or at least bring awareness to that. And, and oh, I, I know awesome. you're not even... I know that's not even like the thing that you're like pushing and promoting. It may be old school compared to <laughs> some of the good. other stuff, but yeah. it's like, I'm, I'm in this moment and, um, and I'm like, man, I really want to like, just explore this and, and talk uh, with, with Daniel more about it. So thanks for like kind of going old school here, revisiting 2015 a little bit. Um, <laughs> Dude, and, man. And going back yeah. To I, it. I love talking about it. And, and even when I wrote it, you know, it was this commitment to say, okay, do I believe enough about this that I'm willing for the, at least the next 10 years to talk about this topic? So, yeah. And it's, yeah, I love it. So I'm glad, glad to talk about it. Well, you picked a really good topic to talk about, at least from a, from a relevancy standpoint, because we're mm-hmm. seeing culture shift more away um, from the buildings, but here with the, the, the church digital podcast, we talk a lot about church online, mm. uh, and, and digital church. I've actually taken a role recently. I honestly, I think this is even since, uh, we scheduled the podcast with you, but I'm, I'm with Stadia church planning where I'm director of digital church planting. We're looking at a digital only expression of oh, church awesome. that doesn't exist in physical. It's, it's more of a digital virtual, biblical ecclesiology of what does an actual church look like that would <laughs> yeah. be digital only and and which really is a fascinating conversation for me that's centered more around a discipleship driven model a discipleship process discipleship pathway a lot mm. of these words that i just keep resonating over and mm-hmm. over with and, and and honestly like in the back of my mind i just going back to no silver bullets i'm like i have to write this book i'm gonna have to write this book i haven't found anybody to really say what I want to say. Yeah. And then I, I read No Silver Bullets and I'm like, yes, I don't have to write the book. I don't have to go <laughs> through all this struggle because my man here, Daniel M's already said it and, and is starting to roll through it. So mm. um, I, I love how what you're talking about with this intentional discipleship, I think it's, it's, a, it's a wake up call for churches yeah. towards getting more on board with that today, being intentional with it as opposed to being lackadaisical and, 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 and some of those things. 
But even in context of online, mm-hmm. using uh, church online to create some of those uh, intentional points to foster that development and, and growth is is so good. Um, and, and so, man, just just thanks for jumping on here. I just I have to know this. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll we'll dig in, right? Um, yeah, this will be good. How? Where did where did this the idea of of no server bullets and and just even the the four quadrants if you want to highlight that like where did this come from? Yeah, okay. So the 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 old old school original where the whole thing was birthed it was when I was doing my master's at Fuller, and it was an MA in global leadership and basically my final project was it was and and it's all contextual to your church. Uh, the, the way they, they did their thing. So for me, then I was trying to figure out, hey, how do I create a discipleship pathway that's scalable within a multi-site context? Thinking also post-Christian too, being in Canada, but just a sense of a, of a, of a scalable multi-site discipleship pathway that, yeah, that can actually, that, that works in different sizes of churches, right? Where you have maybe 2,000 people gathered in one location, 100 in another, four or 500 in another. So what would that look like? And, and that's really the origin of it around the ongoing steps, the first steps, the next steps. But man, that harkens all the way back to like 2013. And it's just kind of, it, it, it was great put it to the side, ended up moving out, down to Nashville, moving to Lifeway, uh, co-writing Planting Missional Churches with Ed. Uh, and basically a uh, an acquisitions editor was like, hey, do you, have, do you have like a solo book in you? And I was like, well, there's this thing I've worked on that I worked on, but I just kind of, I, I never finished it because I didn't think anyone would want to read it. <laughs> so I sent her, well, what it was and they're like, okay, well, here's a contract. So that that's basically what, what, got it kick-started again. And multiple years later, it was a reassessment of, okay, does this still work? Is this timeless? And then how do you actually communicate it? How do you communicate it well? So it was just further research that then got me into doing some research around the quadrants and had a conversation with Dr. Robert Coleman around that too. I mean, the guy, right? Master plan of evangelism, discipleship. And I was like, okay, if he can get on board with this, then I'm okay. So he was my, he was my gut check. He was my, am I out to lunch? And he, yeah, he, I mean, he endorsed the books, right? So, I mean, it it was cool, cool to have that conversation with him. That's awesome. I I could try to explain the, I'm going to be honest. I could try to explain the quadrants. It would take me eight minutes and I'm willing to bet (laughs) you've got a 45 second version of the quadrants that you can just nail real quick and and roll through this. Seriously though, just give, give us a brief, some brief synopsis because I'm sure you're more succinct than I would be. Okay. Okay. So imagine a, and maybe we'll put in the show notes, right? But imagine the, uh, a square with four quadrants and you have a copycat church, a silver bullet church, an intentional church and a hippie church, right? So if we're looking at all four, you know, the, these four quadrants, what is the difference between each and every one of them? You have the copycat church, uh, that views discipleship is all about getting to a destination. And that's actually what, what the copycat and the silver bullet 
church shares there it's it's all about getting to a destination so discipleship is about knocking those check boxes off and and doing this program doing that program and and the the difference between the the copycat church and the silver bullet church is the copycat church it's literally you know go to that conference we're going to copy this model oh it didn't work four months later go copy another model so there's a low sense of accountability there okay um the the silver bullet church is like the copycat church where they still see view discipleship as checking that off uh, these external markers but the difference is accountability wise systems wise it, it flows and everything looks good but the metrics for maturity are different it's actually incorrect the way that they're viewing the metrics for maturity and then you have move it up right you then have the intentional church and you have the hippie church both actually the biggest difference between those ones and the bottom ones is that those ones actually view maturity from a directional standpoint, right? So it's not necessarily the destination you get to, it's more the direction you're pointing in. So there's a key difference, a, a fundamental difference as to what maturity looks like and what the discipleship process looks like. Is it destination oriented, check the boxes, or is it the direction you're pointing in? And the difference between the hippie church and the intentional church, the hippie church, it's kind of like the copycat church, low culture of accountability, going from one to another. So these are the churches that essentially are like, oh, oh, you want to like, you don't want to, you don't want to meet together. You just want to listen to worship music and go hike on the mountain. And, and, and instead of gathering together for worship, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's, that's fine. Right. Or, or you, you don't have to read the Bible, just read a devotional about the Bible that's the same thing, right? So it's very lackadaisical. As long as you're pointing in that direction toward Christ, you're fine. Whereas the intentional church, yes, it is directionally focused, but there's a clear pathway to getting to discipling people and, and getting people along moving in the right direction. So that's, that's, those are kind of the, the four quadrants uh, summarized. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. This, this idea of destination and, and, and for, for, for me with the, the the church that I, that I'm I'm regularly working with like that was that was the radical connection for us. Mm -hmm. uh, previous to that, it was you know it was it was the Rick Rick uh, Warren baseball diamond and, and far be it for me to be overly critical of that because I, I think that was revolutionary at the time and really helped a lot of churches yeah. move forward. Churches that that I've been on staff with and worked with, but the reality is 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 that that 401 that home plate, that people being on mission, like mm -hmm. nobody ever makes it to that class. It, it, it's amazing. Everybody does the 101, you lose 20% for the 201, you lose 20% for the 301. And, and and by the time you get down to, to the 401, you know, it's, it's like, oh, this is the, for people who are going specific on the global missions trip, let's just make that to 401. And, and it's, mm -hmm. it's a far minimal um, uh, audience percentage of people that are attending. But as a result of that, we're really missing this opportunity to have people be on mission mm -hmm. where, you know, on mission may be defined as something like, um, you know, and once again, I don't want to be overcritical, but hey, let, let me serve coffee here or let, let me be, um, you know, guest services or something. And all these are important. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to personal evangelism, when it comes to disciple making with with, with the things where we look at today's culture, and we realize, wow, like 
the best way for our church to be impactful is not our physical building mm-hmm. and doing these events in our buildings, but it's all about empowering people mm-hmm. to have spiritual conversations that go and share their faith and then to yeah, disciple yeah. others. Mm-hmm. Lifeway, like the place where you work, and this is an older stat, but I quote mm-hmm. it all the time. By the way, if you guys could update this stat, I would really appreciate it. <laughs> 2000, uh, 2016 Lifeway, uh, 63% of people are, are no longer interested in, in going to the buildings to, to learn about their faith. And, and at mm-hmm. the same way that, that I myself, I'm not interested in, in going to a mosque. I, I mm-hmm. think I figured out what I know at the spiritual level, and I'm not really open to more conversations. Mm-hmm. 79% of people are open to talking about faith with their friends if mm-hmm. they see that faith is important to their friends. And, and so, you know, for me, when, when I look at the opportunity of, of church online, it's let's utilize this online technology. Mm-hmm. Let's utilize it to create a discipleship pathway, a direction mm-hmm. that creates in people this desire to be a disciple maker, to be a multiplier of mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a consumer level thing as much as it is is a multiplier aspect of that. Um, yeah. Man, just hearing some of that, like, what do you, what do you think of that? What what are some challenges? What what are some wins? What what about utilizing technology in this way to to create to multiply disciples? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In in my book, No Silver Bullets, I, I talk about this idea of a of a high tech and a high touch approach to leadership development. And in the book, I, I really focus it in and around leadership development. But when it comes to discipleship. Right there, there has to be the touch component to it. Right, I mean, we're there. There has to be the interaction focus to it. Now, I think that doesn't mean it has to be in person. Uh, I think there's a sense of are you an is is this active or are you is it a is it a passive approach, right? So as it relates to a high tech and a high touch approach, uh, especially with church online, there is a sense of okay, am I a passive consumer of this or is there active interaction? Like you and I, this is very active for you and I. For the listeners, it's passive, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's the big biggest difference. So as it relates to discipleship. And the sense of, okay, what does a high tech and a high touch approach look like? It can very much be, hey, as a small group, we are going to gather together on Zoom, right? And we are going to, yes, it's high tech. And yeah, we're not in person, but it's active, right? So I think there's this whole sense of we need to have a, an, a, a proactive approach rather than this passive approach, especially as it relates when we're leveraging technology, but especially, especially as it relates to discipleship. So yeah, I, I love the fact that that you referenced high tech, high touch. I actually mm. read a book 20 years ago, I think I was in college, called <laughs> High Tech, High Touch by Larry Nesbitt. Okay, um, okay. I guarantee you've never been in a podcast that referenced Larry Nesbitt. He was a business guy. <laughs> no. It was it was early on, it was like before Y2K. Okay, uh, but it was okay. it was this general principle that technology is and I I forgive me, like I'm old. I don't know how old you are, but I'm not so old to be like the the grumpy old guy, get off my lawn, a.k.a. Ed Stetzer. We'll talk about him later. He's fun. I love Ed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did a podcast with him recently, and it was awesome. But this high-tech, high-touch with, uh, with Larry Nesbitt, you know, the principle was is that technology by itself, left to itself, is cold. It's yeah. isolated. Uh, and, and so it's it's very easy 
when you don't pay attention to the high touch level, mm-hmm. I think you are guilty. We as a church are guilty of utilizing church online to create consumers. Yeah. And yeah. that, so if, if we leave it isolated, if we leave it unto itself, mm-hmm. we are people who are creating content for consuming mm. as opposed to building relationships. It's, it's funny. I actually do the get off my lawn. That's literally a quote from Ed Stetzer when he was on my podcast. We'll link to it in the show notes. It was, <laughs> yeah. I think it was episode 49. Um, and, and the, uh, I'll tell you this, Daniel, it was, I don't know that I've said this publicly, but it's cool. Um, Ed, 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 I love you. If you're listening, Ed, Ed, we, I'm friends with Ed. We used yeah, to work yeah, yeah. Christ Fellowship in Miami. And, um, and so Ed told <laughs> me on the well, podcast. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He told me he's, he's like, don't ask me questions on church online. And, and I'm like, why not? And he's like, you're not going to like my questions if you ask me on church online. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, Ed, can I get like constructive criticism? Can I say challenges and mm-hmm. allow you to give me some feedback or, and he's like, just, you know, you can ask me if you want, but just, you're going to get what you're going to get. And I told Ed this, I gave him this pitch of online to offline, that the gospel mm-hmm. we hear in the online world, it has to affect our offline relationships. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's a multiplication tool. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, Ed Stetzer, as, as soon as I was done, literally, he's like, if you're a pastor hearing what Jeff Reed said, you should do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it's like he's never heard this idea, but it's it's like, let's not be consumers mm-hmm. in creating this consumers mm-hmm. where we're, we're being negative towards this. But let's be intentional. This is why I love your book so much. Mm-hmm. Let's be mm-hmm. intentional towards disciple making. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would just would add a little you know wrinkle to it. Let's figure out how to use the online tools to get there. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that, that, that I, lo- I love for your book, and, and I want mm-hmm. you to kind of st- to speak in this and set this up. You use the term social space. Yeah. Did you set yeah. up for me just and, and for the listening audience what social space is how, and how it kind of relates to this discipleship process? Definitely, definitely. So let's go back to the 50s, 1950s, Edward T. Hall. Anthropologically, he was doing research called proxemics, and he was trying to identify how do animals, he started with animals, uh, realized, okay, how do do animals gather together and does this then relate to humans? So fast forward quite a bit. He basically identified four spaces that humans naturally connect in. You got your public space, yeah, your public space, um, like all the public spaces that are now being <laughs> closed down because of the coronavirus. So 100 plus people, right? So there's that side. You got the social space, which is that 20 to 50 person sized space. So think stand-up reception before a wedding. So these kind of fluid spaces. And then you got these, um, you got these personal spaces, which is the third one that's like eight to 12 people, like a small group. And you have the fourth space, which is the intimate space, one or two people. The research basically stated that, hey, in all four spaces, in all four spaces, we experience community. But one space, it's, it's not necessarily that one space is more important than the others. They all have their unique benefits, advantages and disadvantages uh, and a different ROI for each and every one of them. But the important thing to understand is we actually experience community differently in all four spaces. So if this is naturally how humans connect, uh, how are we leveraging these four spaces? Uh, so 
Joseph Myers in his book, The Search to Belong, I think it was like early 2000s, he was one of the first ones, I believe, to introduce this concept into the church conversation. And, you know, many people have written on it thus far um, um, since then. So when you think about that social space, it's that idea, like how, I, I think as churches, we do this small, the personal space well, right? Small yeah. groups, we do that well. And some churches, especially with D groups and accountability groups or LTGs or however you want to do it, uh, more and more churches are doing this one to three person size space well, because those are the spaces where you can open up. Those are the spaces where you can create trust and build those relationships. And, and a lot of churches do the large public spaces well. I mean, that's, that's kind of the corporate worship gathering. That 20 to 50 person size space, that's the space that's often underutilized. And here's the interesting fact, post writing the book, um, if you're a church of under 200 people, I don't think there's as much of a need for a formalized 20 to 50 person size space program or an approach to programizing this because naturally a lot of these spaces will just be there you'll naturally have them if you're over 200 though that's when you actually need to intentionalize these 20 to 50 person size gatherings oh totally like uh -huh. you know and we we've talked about i think I, you may know the exact stat but something like 80 percent of churches at this point are under 200 the average church is what probably 72 73 it seems like I uh yeah in the states it's uh it's about 100 the, 100, the average size church. yeah in canada okay. it's under 80 yeah okay mm -hmm. yeah so um but for for the the, the mega and the giga church it's easy mm -hmm. to get to get lost in that and, and if yeah. you're not connected into that um, that, that smaller group, the, mm -hmm. the one that's down at the personal space area, um, you're, you're, you're lost in, in, in accountability almost. And, yeah. and the church has lost that. And so I, I love this idea of that social space that the mm -hmm. 20 to 50 number, you know, if I'm putting on, on my uh, online pastor hat and, mm -hmm. and, you know, digital strategist, I'm looking at that 20 to 50 number thinking, man, what would it look like if we if that was like house churches or micro locations yeah. um, around? And, and I'm looking at like, you know, Elevation Church with their watch parties, um, the home gatherings that Saddleback mm -hmm. does. We even talk about you've probably never heard of this, but a church called First Capital Christian in Corden, Indiana. Um, it's a small I, I'm going to tell you the story, Daniels. Yeah, is awesome. yeah. This this right here is is exactly why. Churches need to understand discipleship at, at a deeper level. <laughs> this one, it's it's in Corden, Indiana. You've never heard of Corden, Indiana, have you? No. No. So he, here's the deal. It's a small town of about 3,000 people. And First Capital Christian, and this is their words. I've had the lead pastor. We've done a couple podcasts with them on. on it's on the wrong side of town, on the mm -hmm. outskirts of town, on the, like, the no one's around, no residential okay. area. Like, yeah. they, they bought the property decades ago. Yeah. And instead of the town going towards the church, it went away from the church. Oh, okay. And so okay. this church has every excuse to just dry up and die. Yeah. For some reason, this church has over a thousand people um, regularly attending. Now, no, just, In a town I, I want to make thousand? sure. Yeah. Do the math, bro. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, wait a second. You're telling me you've got 30% attendance. In a small town in Indiana, right oh at the Kentucky goodness. border, this wow. doesn't. Uh, honest to God, I'm flying out there um, yeah, in, Ju in June. In June, I'm going to speak at a conference, 
and, and I'm like, I yeah. love you guys. I want to see it for real. And, and I trust him. Um, yeah. And so like the people on Tyler Sampson's a, a good friend. Mm. Uh, he's, he's the engagement pastor over there, but here's where sacred space fits in. Mm. Um, the, the story, and we've talked about this in the podcast a lot, where mm. there was a nurse who worked at a Hodgkin's Huntington's rehab center. Mm. Basically, it's a terminal disease um, with that. And so she was working on Sundays and she was mm. really annoyed that she couldn't get off Sundays because she wanted to go to church. She doesn't want to work Sundays. Mm -hmm. But what she would do is she would grab her iPad, go sit in the community center with the iPad on her lap and just engage watching the church service online. Mm. And then one Sunday, like two people gathered around her and started mm. watching the church service. A couple of weeks later, four people. A couple of weeks later, eight people, 12, 16. There's a photo, I've seen it, with like 20 people gathered around this woman holding an iPad at a, all in like the robes of awesome. hospital gowns. That is Experiencing so awesome. this church. And she takes this photo, texts the, the church leadership and says, can you help me do ministry here? <laughs> this small church, they've they've literally discipled eighteen volunteers, intentionally yeah. grown eighteen people to be volunteer campus pastors at eighteen mm. micro locations around. That's incredible. It's it's things like prisons. It's things like um, mm. uh, orphanages. They're literally adopting people, children. Mm. And to be part of the family solving within this small town, they, they're wow. getting uh, 500 to 600 people engaging in these micro locations. So yeah. I'm bad at math, but they're roughly a thousand, roughly 500, maybe 1500. Okay. Maybe they're mm. getting some crossover, but in a small town of 3000. That's like, incredible. Dude, and, the and vision of our happens. church is to reach 1% of Edmonton, <laughs> just 1%. <laughs> And we're running a few thousand on a weekend, right? So it's oh just one percent. <laughs> that is incredible. And and what you get from this is this is the power of of empowering someone with the gospel and saying mm -hmm. you go. Mm -hmm. The thing that I, I love is the people that are the campus pastors, mm -hmm. um, the volunteer campus pastors, the unpaid people yeah. that are out there doing the ministry. The locations they often go to, they have mm -hmm. a personal heart for. Mm. It's not like the the pastor is running around trying to find all these locations and manage this stuff. It's like, what are you passionate about? Go disciple, make disciples, yeah. grow in that area, and let let us, the church, First Capital Christian, let us help you with that. Man, that's so just awesome. A, a, a phenomenal story and, and a challenge for I think a lot of churches out there that if we could kind of release the priesthood to the believers mm. let them run equip them with the power to do this man we'd see some phenomenal things happen with multiplication and growth in our city amen are you a preacher <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that's good. a funny that story good. it depends on who you ask i'm, I'm a i'm a technology guy um who had a midlife well, you, crisis yeah, and well, realized hey, right we, there so <laughs> we need to uh we need to do some awesome things for the world yeah and technology good. high tech high touch is a part of it so yeah. hey i want to keep i want to keep rolling with this because once mm. again in the book they were like i'm like this is incredible this is incredible mm. you introduced a new term to me mm. and uh and uh, you got me in trouble with my marriage i'm gonna i'm gonna call you out <laughs> because I asked my wife about this, who has a master's of education, and yeah. her response was not warm back. Uh, and so you guys talked about flip the classroom. Yeah. Um, why don't 
why don't you just give me a little insight? Talk to me, you know, about Flip the Classroom. Uh, okay, so uh, apologies if you got in trouble with your wife. Oh, it's okay. We'll dig into it in a second. <laughs> I it's, do have a awesome. marriage and parenting podcast, so <laughs> give that to her. Um, no, all that to say, the flipping the classroom idea is long story short, right? Just super long story short. It's basically the idea of, okay, instead of, and this is within a church setting, um, instead of saying, hey, everyone's going to gather here and listen to this talking head. And then, and it's primarily, let's think about a leadership development. So you're training volunteers, okay, training volunteers, everyone's in a room, you are speaking, here's the lesson. And then everyone goes away and you know maybe you pray together or whatever but then you're done your training so that's it the problem with that though right is that it's hard to get 100 percent of your volunteers to that training environment it's just with scheduling and all that stuff it's just it's just super hard so the idea of flipping the classroom is hey instead why don't we give the lesson at home or via video and then when you get together right you're flipping it you then do the work together so within the school setting this is i mean think back to a world before youtube <laughs> like i live that right? world i, I yeah, know it yeah like 2005 if you shot a video how did you share it with a friend like, how did you share it with anyone else before Facebook, YouTube, or anything, right? It was just so hard. Whereas now it's like, oh, well, of course, it's easy to share stuff. So the whole idea was basically in a, in a school classroom, these teachers who got sick and tired of trying to um, catch up sick, you know, kids who are sick, who missed the class and having to redo the lecture and over and over again, they basically did a voiceover over their PowerPoint lecture, PowerPoint slides voiceover and they put it up on this new fandangled thing called YouTube. And they said, Hey, instead of me reviewing and recapping everything, Hey, just watch it. And then more kids watched it and more kids watched it and more. And then it started, you know, people who weren't even in that class or that school started watching it. So they're like, Oh, maybe we're onto something. So within the school environment, it was basically this idea of, Hey, uh, when you're gathered together in a classroom, instead of the teacher teaching, let's flip it so that the lesson is done at home and the homework is done at class rather than the lesson in class and homework at home. So that's that large, that's the concept in, in a nutshell. Yeah. So my, my wife, let me finish the story on my side. Okay. My wife has a master's of education. Uh, she's a, uh, uh, she's the smart one in the marriage by far. I'm yeah. the, I'm the, the dummy. And uh, my kids are brilliant, all because yeah. of her DNA, nothing to do mm. with mine. <laughs> and, and so, like, I, I, I'm, I'm on a plane, and I read your book, and I'm like, mm. this is awesome. I actually, I bought the book, Flip the Classroom, that, that you referenced. There's yeah. lots of different ones out there, but I actually read the specific one, the yeah. two chemistry teachers and, yep. and, and their, mm. their story. And it was phenomenal. Super short read, mm. definitely impactful. Great things just for me even processing, you know, what this looks like. And, of course, I'm thinking – digital discipleship, what it means, or even church online, like processing outside of it. You know, I've had yeah. conversations with, um, you know, high level organizations working through how to do discipleship online. It's like, mm -hmm. don't watch the videos when you're on Zoom with everybody. Yeah. Nobody wants to do that. Watch yeah. the videos in advance and take the opportunities to dialogue and discuss. That's far yeah. more effective. Mm -hmm. and, and so like organizations are, are, 
saying this is awesome. And this is even before I read the book. Like, everything's mm-hmm. going great. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is awesome. We're swinging momentum. I actually now have a book. It's called, you know, or the th- I can have proof. Hey, here yeah. are the guys who actually came up with this concept. Daniel M. said it's great. Yeah. And so I asked my wife when I got home uh, at dinner one night after reading the book on uh, on the plane. Hey, Amy, have you ever heard of this, like, flip the classroom thing? And uh, I love my wife. Uh, and, and she was not positive in her response oh, back. Okay. No. Um, and, and the response was was more centered around, yeah, those are just teachers being lazy. And <laughs> uh, now what's interesting, and, and there's, interesting. there's a lot of heart. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's an educator. Maybe there's some of, and, and I've told my wife I'm having these conversations. So, like, people are like, I can't believe he's saying this about his wife. We're fine. It's good. But there's there's this place of, you know, she's defining who she is by the performance, yeah. um, but not necessarily having the best mind of what's around for the for the kids and, yeah. and, and whatever is yeah. best for the kids. Maybe we need to break the paradigms of what we're doing mm. so that the students are able to get what they need. Yeah, and, and yeah, there's right. and I think there's an opportunity for us even within the church. Mm. You know, I I, I mentioned this to uh, in, a, in a previous podcast and and uh, in a digital pastor who's at a multi-site church is oh I've I've heard that lazy comment before. People talk about that all the time when they're talking to pastors who do uh, t- video teaching to multi-site campuses. Yeah. Oh, the other camp because the other pastors are just being lazy. When in fact, a uh, video teaching pastor, the campus pastors that don't have to prep a message. Yeah. My gosh, they've got so much more time to be yes. pastoral, shepherding, involved mm-hmm. in people's lives, disciple making. There's a reason why that model's effective. It's mm-hmm. not the perfect model, and, and I'm not saying necessarily that it is, but there's a great opportunity for us to do something different. Yeah. yeah How it's... have you seen Flip the Classroom be effective? I, I want to hear this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, how it's very beneficial within a school environment and not, let me just do that. And then I'll, I'll go to the church environment, how it's super beneficial within a school environment. And also when you're training leaders in your church is that in, in a, in a group of 20 people, typical classroom, 30 people, what level do you teach to? Mm. Not everyone's at the same level. So you have to generalize it as a teacher in some sense or fashion. And there are going to be people who are on par, listening, engaged. There are going to be some people who are like, this is, I know everything, why this is such a huge bore. And there are going to be others who just don't really get it. And that's just naturally when you have that many people, it's hard to customize and personalize the lesson. The beauty of flipping the classroom is that, uh, if you get the lesson and you, and you're one of those kids who, who get it and you're like, yeah, I, I don't need to sit in a lecture. Then just fast forward through it. You don't need to watch the video at home, a lesson, just fast forward, but you need abs. And this is, this is so key. You need some sort of comprehension oriented assignment. So mm-hmm. it is some sort of homework, but it, but it needs to be some sort of assignment to, um, to indicate that's the accountability side to indicate that you watched or you got the concept right now, if you didn't get the lesson, you can rewind and watch again. If you did, if you, if you're on par, then you watch it all the way through. So the beauty is when you're actually together, because learning, learning, and you look at all the VARC, right? VARC as a model of um, visual or, you know, all the different ways that people learn, not everyone listen, not everyone can learn via 
auditory as well, or there, there, there might not be as much retention that happens through this passive learning. But a lot of learning happens when we're teaching. A lot of learning happens when we're engaging. So when you flip the classroom and the kids are all together, what do you do with the kids who don't get the lesson? You, as a teacher, you don't teach the kids who don't get the lesson. You pair the kids who get the lesson with the kids who don't get the lesson. Hmm. And the kids who get it are teaching the kids who don't get it because what? That is one of the most effective ways to learn when you teach, right? And you're saying, hey, can you help Joey here? You get it. And that kid, the learning goes even deeper there. And then the hmm. kids who get it, you know, they're doing interactive projects together. So here's the thing, right? Math why like i did kumon right and you know there's a lot of different sure. drills a lot of drills that happen it's like okay why am i doing geometry why am i like it's just drill 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 you need to learn the formula what if instead we said hey uh we're gonna build uh we're gonna build out of toothpicks or out of something we're gonna build this building but we're gonna map it out architecturally to make sure it works and that's why geometry matters and we're going to do, and you know, so the majority of the class, they're working on these projects, doing the calculations because they're building a building out of toothpicks. It's not just trial and error. No, you got to do the calculations first. And then the kids who really don't get it, that's the one, those are the ones the teachers can personally help, right? Personally help because they have the time to do it. So within a church context, it's exactly the same. You have a group of 30 small group leaders why do you think it's effective for why do you think it's an effective use of their time and your time for you to just for 30 minutes teach them how to connect or, or, or how to deal with over talkers right how do you know that they're actually going to be competent in their ability to deal with over talkers just by listening to you you don't mm -hmm. they need to practice it so give the lesson at home right via video here watch this 10 minute video and that's the other thing right you lecture in front of a live audience, it's typically going to be way longer than a video because mm -hmm. you need the, you need the stories, you need the inflections, you need all that stuff. It's a, if it's a video, just go straight to the point, five, 10 minutes, bam, done. Right. And people are okay with that medium and that, and that, and that way of communication, because if there's too much fluff, people are going to fast forward anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so having said all that, give the lecture at home, come together, right? That's the flipping the classroom. Give a five minute recap, envision them, thank them, encourage them, what you can do in person and then say, okay, we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to implement, we're going to do this project together or we're going to have these conversations together. We're going to pair you up. Here's a case study and you guys work this and, and you're the over talker and you're the group leader and, and work it out so that people can actually grow in their proficiency. So that's obviously on the leadership development side post writing the book, I also have done this on the discipleship side, where it's mm. a small group. Now we would do book studies and, and then we would also do video based studies. So I was like, man, this is this is like, this is dreadful to just sit together, watch this together. And now our discussion is uh, we don't have a lot of time for discussion and we don't have a lot of time for prayer. So I was like, hey guys, let's all watch this at home, right? And we were using uh, smallgroup.com from Lifeway and Right Now yeah. Media. And I mean, there's all these platforms, right? So we were using it, watch it at home, come together. Now, instead of 15 minutes for discussion and five minutes for prayer, we now had an hour for everything or an That's hour and awesome. a half for everything. And, and instead of trying to, you know, gulp down our food in 15 minutes, it was... 
more time for food, more time for connection, more, more time for everything, way more margin. And there's a lot more connection. And yes, you're right. A hundred percent of the people did not watch it. (laughs) Yes. However, however, what was fascinating to me is that there was actually, there's vertical accountability and horizontal accountability, right? Vertical is from the leader downward. What Mm -hmm. I realized is as the leader, I didn't have to do the vertical accountability. Everyone was keeping each other accountable. And if someone didn't watch it, it wasn't actually me pointing them out. It was someone else in the group horizontally be like, dude, just put it on your phone while you're driving. (laughs) (laughs) Like you have no excuse. And I didn't have to say that other people were doing it because they were like, come on, man, you're like, you're wasting our time. And it was just this neat dynamic that built rather than me having to, you know, come down with the ruler. I love I love that accountability from uh, from the level playing field, not not yeah. from above. Mm. Hey, uh, you you said something. I, I want to back up because I, I there's a difference, or I'm interested in your take because yeah. you said that one model was was more towards the during the book you were addressed it more from a leadership development side, yeah. and then you del- delved into more of a discipleship post the book. Mm-hmm. I I just would love. Uh, What's the relationship between discipleship, disciple making, leadership development? I would love, as somebody at Lifeway, somebody with with your experience, what's your opinion on that? Just give me a couple minutes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so vision, strategy, values in a church. Vision, strategy, and values. Vision is where we're going. And this is great commission, great commandment, right? Regardless of how you word it out. Strategy is what you do to get to where you need to be. Strategy in every church has to be it's like a double helix like dna uh, and this is all in the book too um it's it's this double helix of your discipleship pathway or your leadership pipeline right those are the two strands in your strategy every single thing that a church does this is the what strategy is the what to get to the where vision and values are how you do what you do to get to where you need to go so um in every church everything that a church does, it's either going to leadership pipeline, equip the saints for the work of ministry, or it's going to, on the discipleship pathway side, mature them toward Christ, this directional Mm -hmm. point of view. So when it comes to flipping the classroom, when it comes to everything a church does, if we simplify it down to the sense of, hey, this activity, is it either is it, is it more focused on the discipleship pathway side or the leadership pipeline side? And a lot, there's going to be, there's going to be an interlinking of a lot. And that's why it's a double helix. That's why mm-hmm. it's a double. I mean, there's a lot of interrelation, but here's the thing, your leadership pathway and your, or a pipeline and your discipleship pathway are not the same thing. And it's so important that we recognize that they are not the same Thing. And I even heard people say, oh, leadership is just advanced discipleship. And it, it's, I, can't, I can't emphasize how important it is to understand that they are not the same thing. There's a lot of interrelatedness. That's why it's a double helix, but they're not mm. the same thing. And here's why. Here's why. And this is post book as well, right? Uh, what you believe on one, you will begin to assume on the other if it's the same thing. What you believe about one, you will actually begin to assume on the other. So here's what I'm talking about. Your leadership pipeline. You can check off the box 
and actually say, I have displayed proficiency on this competency. I know how to do this. I didn't know how to do this. And now I've learned how to do it. Knowledge, experience, coaching, that's that transformational sweet spot. I have now demonstrated proficiency and I now know I'm done. I'm good. Great. That is awesome for your leadership pipeline. Discipleship doesn't work like that. You don't go, mm. oh, I've checked off patience. I've checked off love. <laughs> I've checked off humility. I've checked off joy. No, no, <laughs> no. You are growing in, 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 on this side of eternity, right? It never ends. It never ends. And even on the other side of eternity, it doesn't end either, right? We're yeah. always growing in our knowledge of Christ, always maturing in our knowledge of Christ. So if they're the same thing, if they're the same thing, what you believe on one, you'll begin assuming on the other. And just like you can check off competencies on leadership pipeline, you'll begin to check off your discipleship pathway. And then you'll go down the road of program. You'll go down the road of, yes, I've done this. Look at all the studies on my shelf. See how mature I am? Yeah, no. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. We've got such an opportunity to, mm. to impact people in different sides. Um mm. I, I know personally, like in some of the churches that I work with, it's very easy to, to meld the two together. Mm. The, the, the helix is, 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 is a beautiful picture where it, it, it intersects where there's opportunities for it to work together, but there's mm. urgency on each side for different mm. reasons towards that. Mm. Um, is there, from a practical standpoint, mm. just, just give me, give me a, a couple things here, but from a practical standpoint, how do you separate between the two? Like yeah. Ed says, Ed, this is Ed, you know, Ed's okay. Everybody we're doing a weekend service. That's awesome. We're doing a, um, uh, we're doing small groups. That's great. We need a third thing. You know, the, the, I'm going to drop another guy who's been on the podcast, the Eric Geiger, simple church, boiling it all down to two things. Yeah. Probably wasn't a good idea culturally where we are now making fun of Eric. I love Eric too. We need a third thing. So let's go ahead and add, um, let's add a discipleship, intentional discipleship thing. That's what, that's what Ed's, Ed's looking for. He's like Sunday night service, Wednesday night, Mm. something, but an opportunity for that deep Bible exposure, driving Mm. people um, so now if I'm, if I'm separating leadership development, is that a fourth thing? Like how many more things am I throwing on this? You know, yeah, like yeah. what, what is it, what does it practically look like mm. to create a, a church mm. that's developing disciples and at the same time growing leaders? Mm. Mm. Okay. So last chapter of no silver bullets, we have your, we have our ongoing steps, our first steps and our next steps. Right. So ongoing steps are those things where as a mature follower of Christ, it's the practices that Jesus practiced. It's the things. And that's where the research of here are the inputs. Here's 80-20. Here's the inputs that make the biggest output. So that's 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 core. And that's not programmatic. That's just, that's the life of a follower of Christ. Programmatically, yeah, you got first steps. You're brand new, do alpha. You're brand new, come to here. You're, you know, communication-wise. And I mean, we can do a whole probably episode on echo chambers and how that affects church life and everything. Because that was definitely... I've done a huge deep dive on that post this book because it was just, it's crazy how it's affected discipleship. So that's on another note. And then you got your next steps. So what you were just talking there, deeper life, next steps, you know, I'm, we're going to be doing these things called master classes, right? Uh, it's just this whole idea of what is that close to Christ, Christ centered class to just go super deep 
uh, because there is a sense of, yeah, everyone needs to be a self-feeder, but as a pastor, there's a sense of, hey, we need to really pour into and, and mature our people. So that's all great. Leadership, it's not another thing because it has to be just-in-time type of mm. training, right? And and churches that programize leadership, that's, and, and here's why digital is so important, right? Because inevitably, and, and sorry, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, my latest book, you are what you do and six other lies about work, life and life. It's a gig economy, right? I'm the premise is the gig economy is here, which is side hustles. So all that to say, people have asked me. So if you've written this book on how the gig economy has affected us lives as Christians and as people, what does this have to do with Sundays? Like, does this, does this actually have something to do with the lack of attendance on Sundays because uh, 36%, 35% of the American workforce is a part of the gig economy. That's 57 million people in America, right? And that's, it's the same percentage in a lot of different countries. So the, the answer is, I don't believe the gig economy affects Sunday morning attendance, but what it does affect is your volunteer hours. What it does affect mm. is midweek, because now with the gig economy, every hour is a billable hour every hour is a billable hour now, right? Mm -hmm. So now instead of saying, oh, I work my part-time job for this person, I have to put in hours. No, every hour is a billable hour. So for volunteers who would say, oh yeah, you know, I, I would, yeah, whatever. I got lots of free time, I got lots of free time. Yeah, I'll go help you do that. I'll do this. And these days it's shrinking more and more and more because every hour is a billable hour. Right. It's like, I could be doing this or I could be Ubering for a couple hours or doing, you know, this contracting and I could earn a few hundred dollars and then I could do this and go on this vacation. So I don't know if I have as much time anymore, pastor. Right. Mm -hmm. So here's where this all loops together, where it all loops together, going back to your original question as it relates to leadership pipeline, leadership classes, all that stuff in your church for every new volunteer that you have, you need to think onboarding. How do we onboard well? And that onboarding is not a class. The onboarding is just in time. Here's how to, you know, apprentice wise or online wise, here's what you need to know. And let's get together and I'm going to coach you and we're going to work. It's on the job training. But for every church, you need onboarding, but you also need ongoing training. You need mm. ongoing training, onboarding and ongoing. So an onboarding is immediate ongoing is you need to develop the core competencies of your people and of so that they can move up your leadership pipeline. So the ongoing training, the only way that ongoing training is going to be effective is if it's delivered online. Because the worst thing that you can do is do an, a leadership development 101 class on another Sunday evening or after church. And it's one more thing where in every hour is a billable hour, one more thing that people don't want to go to. And number one, it, they don't want to go to it because they don't have time and every hour is a billable hour. But number two, it's like, what does this have to do with my life and me serving as a small group leader? Because it, yeah. it's so generalized. It's so generalized. So, But it's important. Core competency training is critical to move people from volunteers to leaders, to leaders, to coaches, coaches, to ministry directors, and up. So the reason online is so important is now flipping the classroom. You can highly specify the training. So it's just in time within relationship to that department. And it's very focused and it's not another night out. It's literally on the commute to work. 
and then coming home from work, hey, let's talk on the phone, right? Yeah. It's just, yeah, so my spiel. No, this is- You can no, tell I've been is, thinking a lot about this, right? <laughs> I love everything about this. Like, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited by this. What's, what's interesting to me is I see what you're describing. I see churches who yeah. do what you're describing and and, and 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 just in my context, yeah, they're church plants. They are church <laughs> yeah. plants, not with staff people, but yeah. who are where like there's a pastor yeah. who is who's the paid guy, maybe, or it's there's still fundraising, and it's a completely volunteer team. Yeah. They are the ones that are more driven by all this virtual technology and, and the, so the zooms now. for the meetings like and, and it's like the, the the larger organizations where no let's just get everybody together the multi-site church that it's like yeah let's drive everybody in mm. to like have these these conversations because we just we need to be in, in the room for it mm. but i love the fact that when I, when i meet and through stadia just meeting more and more of them a lot of these guys it's like well, yeah, of course we think we can do discipleship online. We do yeah. everything else online. Like, it's not that far of a jump. I know. Uh, our so, culture, like, here's the tipping point in my, in my estimation, because online's been around for a long time, right? Especially training and all that stuff. I think the tipping point was when LinkedIn bought lynda.com. What was it, like, for $2 billion or something like that a few couple of years ago? Yeah. Honestly, I, I think that was the tipping point. You're going to have to explain that because that sounds really deep. I, tell, tell me why. Why yeah. is that the tipping point? Um, so online has been around for a while. And there's a sense of, uh, you know, the educational world is has definitely lagged behind. But the church world has lagged even more behind. And yeah, I mean, obviously, you got guys like Leonard Sweet who are just like living 50 years in the future and half-life. And there's all that stuff, right? I mean, the guy's brilliant but he yes. is literally from another century yeah. uh, like he is so ahead of us right so yeah in light of all he's, that he's got he's got the doctor strange powers where he can yes, like he see does. all the alternate realities nope. yeah 4.7 million and this is the one this yeah. is the one i, I love yeah. leonard tweet keep going i know i know and and by the way i mean cplf church planning leadership fellowship uh stadia comes to it but you should definitely come in july and we can he's going to be speaking with us it's all it's church planning stuff so we can talk awesome offline. yeah love it but basically um the reason i believe linkedin buying lynda.com was a tipping point is because you had all of these online training platforms forming lynda.com professional services and you got skillshare and uh, ministry grid and right now media and you had all these different online kind of platforms out there educationally wise moodle blackboard was way behind way behind right and then you had canvas kind of start up and it was like oh it looks better but it's kind of just a facelift and so all this was stirring right all this was stirring mm -hmm. and then linkedin bought lynda.com i i could be incorrect but i think it was two billion dollars but i mean i might be way off but i know it was a lot of money a lot sure. of money when that happened you began seeing a tipping point where around that time, YouTube then invested into YouTube education. Ted did create this TED oh, Ed platform, yeah. right? So then, and then master classes, which was, I mean, this is high end online training where they're, I mean, I did the Malcolm Gladwell writing one. I was gifted that, right? And you can learn that, or you can learn, you know, cooking from Gordon Ramsay. And you it's just like, <laughs> but literally the amount of money that was poured in the venture capital investment that's now being poured into master classes and all. I mean, it was just a, 
right? It was just so fast, but it, I found it was ticking along very slowly up until that point. And then, you know, Zoom is not like, who doesn't use Zoom? I mean, we're using Zoom right now, but yeah, it was yeah. just, it was just, yeah. So I think within the church world, we've gotten to that point now where everyone in like online, you know, development, every, if, if, if someone's in a white collar kind of job, even if they're in a blue collar job, development, ongoing development is important. Certification is important and it's more and more and more online. So why are we lagging so behind as a church? I, I, I love everything about this, this entire conversation. <laughs> this has been the highlight of, oh, of a crazy couple yeah. weeks. Yeah. I, I want to ask, I want to ask so. this. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I want to ask this one question. Cause I'm really interested. You've set this question up so perfectly. I don't even need to really, except I want to educate you on, on my terms Okay. through yeah. Stadia. They hired me to be director of digital church planting. We are yeah. literally trying to figure out what a digital only expression of church looks like. As part of that, we're wrestling with the biblical ecclesiology mm. of, of what are the biblical functions and, and not how do we mirror what happens in physical space mm. and do it virtually, but how best can we do virtually what the Bible calls us to do? So example, teaching, we're doing a 40-minute sermon on a platform. Well, is, is a 40-minute sermon the best way to communicate teaching? Mm. I actually mm. had, had, an, had a guy tell me, hey, you know what, Paul— um, wrote when he taught. That mm. means that writing's okay. Why don't we just write? And I'm like, wait, mm. are you telling me that teaching could be blog format? <laughs> like that nobody has, I have never heard that. Oh, but somebody just kind of, and this is a guy I trust, Jason Morris from Westside yeah. uh, Family. And, and just, and so we're, we're having lots of these fun conversations mm -hmm. in, in process to try to figure out how a church can function 100% yeah. digitally. There's yeah. guys like, and, and I may throw some things out that you don't know, but DJ Soto's doing VR Church. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, yeah, with yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jade Earhart is uh, doing a, a video game uh, church. Is that moving that direction? But he's got a discipleship platform from through Discord. Literally discipling video gamers who are going out and witnessing while playing <laughs> Xbox video games. Yeah, winning yeah. people to Christ while yeah, winning Destiny cool. 2. It's just, it's crazy stuff. Mm. So here's my question to you, okay? because the average person had just explodes. Well, I talk about a lot on the podcast. So if they listen regularly, they've already exploded and, and it's old news. But for you, I want to ask this question. What are the challenges? What, what, what's the direction? What advice? Because we are pioneering towards this digital church thing. You mm -hmm. obviously, through the past hour, mm -hmm. have a very good understanding of discipleship mm -hmm. and digital which mm. are two of the things that I am building this foundation of digital church on. Mm -hmm, I would mm -hmm. love to know your knee-jerk reaction, and would you be willing to think about it and come back and have another conversation later? <laughs> we can get to number two later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But number one, what's your knee-jerk reaction uh, when I talk about a digital-only expression of worship? Yeah, okay. So I've, I've done a lot of thinking around this too. Of course um, you have. Obviously, obviously not as much as you. Yeah, So, but when it comes to this, here's the thing. The role of the preach, right? The role of the preach, the role of that community. I, I still honestly do believe that that's a very important thing for the formation of our people. So yes, we need to be self-feeders. Yes, we need to, from the research, really be focusing on reading the Bible and being in community and all that stuff. But that gathered expression, that gathered expression is such an important piece of 
formation that honestly, I don't, you're right. I don't think it has to be in person, but there is, and praise the Lord, we're Protestants. And we, <laughs> you know, when it comes to communion, it's just get your own juice and crackers and, you know, let's do <laughs> communion together. I think that's fine. In fact, our church, my church here, Beulah, it's 99 years old. Uh, used to do radio preaching back in like the 30s, 40s, where it would be printed in the newspaper. Hey, get your bread and your crackers ready, or your bread and your juice ready because we're going to no communion this Sunday over the radio. Yeah, they were so, doing bring your own communion in like the 30s and the 40s. Yes, over radio. exactly. Yeah, that is a phenomenal story. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's great. So, and my church here, I mean, over 60 church plants since, since origin. So it's, I mean. I love multiplication. I love being back here in Canada. But having said all that, um, yes, the gathered experience is so important. We can do it online. I believe it can be. I don't know. I haven't heard a lot of expressions of it being done well, really well online. And I think the technology is still growing. It's still advancing. And there's that. It's that tipping. I don't think the tipping point's been met yet on this piece. Mm -hmm. On this piece, who knows what the coronavirus is going to do. Um, like literally I, I just, I really do wonder what the coronavirus is going to do to church online and how it's going to be moving, how, how it's going to advance a lot of that too. But all that to say, I think the jury's still out in terms of what's the most effective way to do it, but let's experiment. So I'm not taking that as a roaring endorsement, but I am taking that <laughs> of, Hey, it'll be interesting to see how far you get. Yeah. Oh, he, here's yeah. here's the reality is, and, and and I love Stadia for doing this. Is there? Hey, we want to throw some research and development behind this, mm. and and even the posture of when I work with, when I talk specifically with churches that we're looking mm -hmm. at to plant these. Mm -hmm. It's it's hey, we're experimenting. Come be part of the experiment with us. Mm -hmm. Actually, I, one of the, one of the pastors shot me an email, and this. This may be a bad thing, but he, he's like, whether or not we're actually successful in this, we feel like God's calling us to, mm. because where we fail and where we succeed, someone else will come behind. Yeah. And, yeah. and so the, the, the posture of Stadia, which I love, is we're going to experiment and we're going to learn through this process. Mm. Uh, and, and, and if we're successful, awesome. The people behind us are going to have a better shot. And, and yeah, somebody, yeah. you know, hate to say somebody's got to be first, but I feel like, honestly, like I've, I've been wanting to do this, and I don't mean to overstate here, but it's literally been 20 years. I graduated yeah. from college in 1999, mm -hmm. started a dot-com right there in the dot-com boom towards helping churches work through this stuff That's back awesome. in, like, in 2000, right after Y2K. OG, man. You're OG. Uh, yeah, man. And, and it's like, I'm trying to find somebody. And uh, man, just bent, danced, danced back and forth between yeah. gigs. And, and Stadia's like, hey, come over here. Let's, yeah. let's, let's talk. Yeah, and and seeing how they've, they've run with this has been exciting. That's cool. I, I, hate, to, I hate to say it like I'm going to call you out. Like I'm building some of the stuff about, around the principles of what you're doing. And you're, you're not yeah. showing me enough love back. That's cool. Uh, I, I love you. I still want to have these conversations. I still want to come to the conference in July. Um, I'll have you speak at the conference in July. This will be good. That's awesome. Is, is it in Canada? You don't no, have to it's figure. at Wheaton. It's at Wheaton. Oh, Wheaton. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Very, very yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, um, if we're allowed to travel, who knows? I, yeah, I was, I was about to say there's we'll a bunch of things online. happening, but hopefully, hopefully we, we can yeah. get it figured out then. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, so listen, seriously, and, and, I'll, and I'll turn the corner. Thank you for this podcast. This has been uh, in, in a world of coronavirus mm. that is just inundating 
um, the ability to laugh a little bit here to talk about yeah. things that aren't Corona sensitive. Yeah. Um, I, I hope I hope my audience who hopefully has a similar sense of humor as I do. They seem to enjoy these things. I hope they're yeah. enjoying this and a lot of the conversation. So thank you for this. Uh, just as we're landing the plane, Daniel, any any closing thoughts in anything that that you want to say or, or, or reference or hit on my church? We live stream. Um, the number one, how I'm using, how we're using the live stream and leveraging the live stream. I really don't care if people watch it around the world. The one thing I really care about is those in Edmonton and using this as a front door and moving people from that to a gathered location. So I do believe that church online can be leveraged and should be leveraged, especially when the front door is your, is Instagram or for, I don't even think the front door is your website anymore, depending on the age is front doors. It's your Instagram account, uh, depending on the age or it's your live stream or, you know, for certain generations, it's your website. So, uh, leverage, how do you leverage that as the new lobby to get people into community and saved and pointed toward Christ and discipled. So yeah, I love it. I love the work that you're doing and the thinking that you're doing toward this. So thank you for doing that, man. Awesome. And as long as that front door leads into an intentional discipleship process yeah. mm-hmm. that's utilizing online to make disciples, I love everything mm-hmm. that you just said. Uh, and, and so, and, and you're literally the guy that wrote the book. So who am I to question yeah. that? We're, we're all about, um, you know, the, the no silver bullets you mentioned briefly, and let's just let you tag on it. What was the, you've got a more recent book that, that you published. What gives us decent details on that? Yeah. So it's called you are what you do and six other lies about work, life, and love. So it's a book basically on the fact that the gig economy is here. Side hustling is it's not the questions move from have you heard of side hustles to what is your side hustles? Uh, so it's just an increase. It's a fast growing phenomenon. And I address seven lies that have risen to the surface because of this gig economy. And it's, it's a fascinating pers- uh, take, I believe on here's our world is changing. This is the gig economy is affecting work. It's affecting life. It's affecting relationships. And here are seven ways that it's doing that. So it is a discipleship tool but first and foremost it really is a tool that i'm hoping that people would use toward evangelistic uh evangelistic means because it is that sense hey here's the you've heard it was said but now i say to you as it says you know matthew 5 with jesus so yeah that's kind of the, the premise of the book your listeners can definitely look it up if they want awesome we'll throw some links on the show notes to both cool. the books of course no silver bullets is uh, as well as the uh, the six lies is what stuck with me. Boy, yeah, what's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, you are what you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you are what you do. Which, by the way, it's I a lie. am not gonna. Yeah, it's a lie. Uh, and I'm not gonna show it to my wife because I don't want to have to relive that conversation. So we we are doing very very well. So Daniel, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we're gonna wrap here for the Church Digital Podcast audience out there. Thanks for listening. Hope you see you next time here at the podcast. You all have a good day.